0: This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help
1: you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Hello and welcome again to the Equip Podcast of Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. I am joined today by a special guest, first-time podcast guest, Troy Nesbitt. Troy, Welcome. Hey, it's good to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So if you don't know Troy, I think most of you who listen to the Equip podcast do. Um, Troy is a founding pastor of Cornerstone. He's now the director of the Salt Network and has been an incredible mentor and just huge force in my life, and he's one of the leading elders here at Cornerstone. And so this podcast episode, I'm going to start kind of a new Um, I don't know what I'll call it, Troy, like a series of podcasts. They're not going to come one right after another. But over time here, one of the hopes we have on the Equip podcast is that this is a way for you to get to know the elders of our church. And so you guys have listened to Jacob Varghese share his wisdom and Alex Tuckness shepherd us in matters related to politics and life. And so we're going to do some that are kind of topical where an elder comes on and helps us in wisdom to walk together. But some of them are just going to be Getting to know people. And so this one is getting to know Troy, uh, not just the founding pastor, but the elder at Cornerstone Church. And what I'm going to do, each one of them, is have five questions for that elder. So Troy, I have five questions for you. I have prepped Troy very little, but Troy is also a great ad-lib speaker. And so I'm I'm actually really interested to see where this podcast goes. We might get through only three questions. Let's see. Okay, so the first question is probably the simplest one. Troy, tell, um, tell us your God story. How did you come to faith in Christ? Give us kind of a flyover of that.
0: Yeah, well, I like to tell people um, that my, my dad is a first-generation Christian who became a Christian at 14, became a pastor at 16. Uh, his parents did everything wrong, so he wanted to do everything right. Uh, my mom grew up in the church and became a Christian at a very young age, they met at Bible college and married. I have an older brother, older sister, and probably some of the first words that ever came out of my mouth were uh, prayers and Bible verses. And so, you know, I've always known Jesus, so to speak, through the Bible. And I used to take offense at people saying, I always have been a Christian, but I don't ever know that I was anything other than that. I was raised to yep. be a Christian. Right. I was, you know, prayed a prayer at 6 and 7 and maybe 20 at 10. By the mm-hmm. time I started sitting more, i have been baptized three times. Uh, the final time was actually the most <clears throat> significant because I I went through a phase of rebellion in my in my life, and mm-hmm. uh, it was at the level that had I not repented, my dad probably would have resigned from ministry. Wow. Wow. And So because I knew that he was an authentic Christian, and I did believe in Jesus, and I didn't want him not to be a pastor, it really led me to a place of confession and repentance. And I just felt uh, the forgiveness of God and the sense of his Mm -hmm. grace, and for the first time fell in love with the Bible, and at 17 was baptized again and felt the weight of being dead to sin and alive Mm -hmm. to Christ.
1: So it's uh, seventeen years old.
0: Seventeen. Started my first Bible study at eighteen, senior in high school. By God's grace, got to lead uh, over twenty of my classmates oh my to goodness. Christ. That's uh, incredible. The Bible study was known as Nesbitt's cult. <laughs> oh, um, no. I went on and got involved in the, the camps ministry that my dad's <laughs> church was involved with at Iowa State University Baptist Student Union. Uh, I was mentored by a guy named uh, Jack Owens and also a guy named Pat Shaughnessy, who helped me with that Bible study and. That was uh, my first introduction to ministry. But in the midst of that, people were saying, man, you should be a pastor. You should be a pastor. The one thing that I didn't want to be. And well, Okay, what uh, were you going to be if you weren't a pastor? I wanted to be a veterinarian. Experience? I just wasn't oh. good enough at sciences.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you would have been a great veterinarian. I love, oh, I love wildlife. You love animals. You have wildlife. Yeah, so, That's awesome. so but, but,
0: you know, one thing led to another, Mark, and I ended up going to Bible school myself. And coming back to Iowa State to, to work with Baptist Union under Pat Shonesty's leadership. And, and, you know, God God has blessed me at every turn, and I'm so grateful that uh, I was raised by a godly parents, mm-hmm. embraced Jesus at a young age, mm-hmm. uh, had crisis yeah. that caused me to fully embrace Jesus. And, you know, I, I go very few days without remembering uh, you know what God did for me and just grateful yeah, for the opportunity awesome. I have.
1: So you've mentioned a lot of names in that storyline uh, Jack Owens, Tom Nesbit, people like that. If you had to I'm gonna limit you to three three biggest like leadership influences on your life. if you had to pinpoint people God used, like who would you say and why would you point to them?
0: Yeah, well, it's the easiest one is uh, most definitely my dad. Yep. Uh, it it would be a huge blessing is if at the end of my life uh, I could be more like him. Uh, he he started his journey of faith at fourteen. He became a pastor at sixteen. Now at eighty two, you know he reads a book of the Bible a day, and and he is not only the godliest man that I know, uh, likely the godliest man that. A lot of people have ever met. And still today, he leads more people to Christ yeah, every year it's incredible. at 82 than I do at 57. And just it's am amazing. challenged by his heart for the gospel and for sharing it with everybody
1: knows. Yeah. We um, need to have him on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Fun. You would enjoy that. I would love lot. that.
0: And, and I would say, secondly, um, Jack Owens, but not so much directly from Jack Owens. Of course, he started BSU and Uh, That was the first ministry job I got out of college. But it was actually a young man that he discipled who discipled me. His name was Pat Shaughnessy. And Pat Shaughnessy uh, loved me uh, and uh, discipled me. He hired me in that first job. He's director Mm -hmm. of, of BSU, the ministry that later I changed to become Salt Company. And he also influenced me with his failure.
1: Uh,
0: the reason I got the job to direct the ministry was because he took a year sabbatical because he was struggling sexually with same sex wow. attraction wow. and ended up walking away from ministry to pursue uh, wow. a homosexual lifestyle. And that was really difficult for me, Mark, because uh, that guy read uh, the New Testament every month. He memorized two verses a week. Oh, he read goodness. the Bible multiple times a year, uh, led worship, was a great preacher, had led many of my friends to Christ, uh mentored me in so many ways. And it was at that point that I decided, am I gonna follow Jesus or follow these men wow. who mentor me? And uh yeah. And it's still a heartache. You know, I have uh, renewed uh, friendship with him and he's wow. still far from God, but uh, I would love to someday get a chance to hug him and thank him uh, wow. for, for pushing me down this path. And uh, he's the one who inspired me to really love college students. <clears throat> so, hmm. and then uh, I, I would say, man, it, there have been so, so many, but it, it most definitely, uh, the the person who has shaped me next to those men more than anything would be Jeff Dodge.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And when we started Cornerstone Church, it was myself and my brother and Pete Matthews. Uh, Pete, who had come to faith in that high school Bible study. Uh, my brother, who had been a pain in my side for all of my life, but had never walked away from Jesus. Uh, and... We really needed somebody with the capacity to lead Salt Company. It had grown to a place where we needed uh, a great leader. And uh, Jeff was associate pastor at a Bible church in Kansas City. I had met him because he was doing ministry at UNI the same time I was doing ministry at Iowa State. Uh, actually, the reason we got to Brent Haverkamp was because Brent's friend Chad was in oh, a summer— yes. Summer Bible study with Jeff Dodge oh, at You and I, and said we got to find a group like that. And they came to uh, Baptist Student Union, wow. and, and so that was a great connection. But it it took a lot to convince Jeff to come, but he he did a great job of leading Salt Company. I was able to no longer need to lead Salt Company because he led so well, and then. Uh, as so many know, Jeff became uh, the teaching pastor at Cornerstone Church and a great partner in ministry to me and really helped uh, this church become what it is and Salt Company become what it is. And so I am forever grateful mm-hmm. to him and mm-hmm. there's so many others. I mean, I could, I could make a list of just uh, dozens of men who mm-hmm. have come alongside and women and really shaped what God has done in my life.
1: I don't know if you've—I know you've done stuff like this, but, like, earlier—I think it was earlier this year, maybe around Easter time. I'm not totally sure. But I was just sitting back thinking, I think it was because of COVID. You know, you just sit there, and as a pastor around Easter at COVID— you're kind of just like depressed by it. You're like, oh, my goodness. I are going to gather everybody. It's mm-hmm. terrible. But I was just thinking back on like all these incredible people God's put in my life to bless me. And so I just started sending texts to people like, hey, right. I just want to like, maybe I right. haven't said this recently, but God using you in this like profound way in my life. So even just hearing about you, like I hope one day to give Pat a hug and say thanks mm-hmm. for that. I think that's something, maybe even Thanksgiving time, that's something that people could do. Right. Is we reflect back on the blessings God's given us, and so many of us, there's so many people that they're part of our story, but they're not somebody I've sat down and said, here's why I'm so thankful. And Yeah, right. I think it's a great example. You've taught me that, and I've watched you do that. And so, yeah, it's, it's great to honor those guys here. So, okay, next question I have. And all these, I'm not promising they're related. They're just questions that I have. So you and Pam are really good parents and (laughs) for real, actually. And Crystal and I have learned so much from you guys. And it's a really different thing. We've talked to, you almost have two generations of kids that you raised, you know? And so what, when you're looking at this generation of parents out at Cornerstone Church, what do you and Pam see? And I mean, obviously you're not just looking at them. You are them, you know, you're trying to work through this together. What do you see as just wisdom that we need to know right now from a guy who's really faithfully been a great dad?
0: Yeah, and I, I appreciate that, Mark, because uh, honestly, Pam and I uh, mostly feel like uh, parent failures when it comes to our second set. Um, as you know, our, our first set of kids, five biological kids, uh, all know, love and follow Jesus, yep. love us, adore the family. Um, four of them are married. Uh, they married extremely well. Uh, we have our 12th grandbaby on the way. Wow. All of our grandkids are, are uh, awesome. lovers of Jesus, and they're all involved in our churches. And even our daughter that has struggled with uh, mental illness and divorce and alcoholism is loving us and living with us right now, uh, reducing yeah. all our debt, and uh, just excited to be part of the family in our life. So it's just a great, great story. Then we adopted Malachi and Trey and we love them so much, but you know, being uh you know, black kids in a white family and the cultural climate that we're in with now older parents, Pam and I are older and mm-hmm. not younger, mm-hmm. there just is a lot of uh barriers that we don't have skills in. We're looking for help in that. And so I would say that uh we, we feel way better about our parenting of our first set of kids than we do this current set. But we haven't given up hope, and we're looking forward to what God is going to do.
1: So do you think that's a change in you guys' as parents, or is it a change in the culture you're parenting in? Like. Well, I would what say, Mark,
0: I would say that uh, you generally have your kids when you're young because you have more energy to do so. <laughs> and I think I, I want to make an excuse for myself, but we're in every stage of life. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, so we got twelve grandkids, and, yeah. and I have a freshman in college, a freshman in high school, a freshman in high, high school, right? Yeah. And so we're 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 just uh, journeying through again so many things, and and so we don't feel like we're great grandparents because we you know have kids at home and we don't feel like we're great parents because we have grandkids and and uh, we have a lot of them and so it's it's a it's a constant challenge and and her dad and my parents are also aging and so we want to be better children. Yep, right. But I would say the thing the strength of mine and Pam's parenting is there is no doubt um, that she's the love of my life and no doubt that I'm the love of hers and we are never not on the same page. Yep. Yeah. And so I would say the most important thing uh, that, that we did as parents is we loved each other well. We dated each other well. We still do that. And there's no way that you can get in between us. And all of my kids know that my first love is Jesus, second love, Pam. And all my kids know the same for her. Her first love is Jesus, second love is me. And it they, they're, they love it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they also know that they can't get between us uh everything we do we try to as much as possible be on the same page when it comes to uh, what we provide for our kids uh, how we discipline our kids what we tell our kids uh, we we are an undivided team and i think that that's a, a real strength that i don't see very often anymore and also i see a lot of dads who are yes. disengaged yes. with their yes. kids and if you look at the scripture, uh, the the primary lover in the family is supposed to be the dad. The mm-hmm. the one who's supposed to be doing the discipline is supposed to be the dad. The one who's supposed to be setting the pace is supposed to be the dad. Now, it doesn't say that mom shouldn't be doing that, but yeah. it, it says that both mom and dad should be doing that together. And so you've heard the old saying, it's gone now, but, uh, you know, a woman's place is in the home— You know, Mm. well, where is a man's place? Well, isn't it in the home as well? Right. And in fact, to become an elder, a person has to manage his family well. Yeah. And uh, his wife is a critical part of that. And so, man, I've worked hard to maintain a great relationship with my wife. I don't know anybody who has a better relationship with theirs. And you can ask people who know us and have known us a long time. We have a great marriage. I think that's the strength of our parenting. Mm. And I would just encourage you to, to love your kids, to lead and... And most importantly, to, to have that That's connection awesome. with each other.
1: So switch dad lessons and parenting lessons to just growth in Christ lessons. So you are, are you 58 now? 57. 57. Yeah. I'm like, which, which year are we at here? <laughs> Doing the math in my head. Right. Um, so you are 57 years old. You've walked with Jesus now for several decades. And... I mean you mentioned earlier your dad reads a book of the Bible a day. Right. Which I makes don't do me that. think of how many times would I have read Jude or right. You know, right. Third John. I would have read Third John a lot. Yeah. But I mean just his devotion to the word so like marks his life. Right. He, he's just absolutely mm-hmm. steadfast in yeah. that. So for you what are some of the things that like they might be your dad, the book of the Bible, today, but like, how do you keep your spiritual life fresh for you? Yeah,
0: I, I would say first of all, I'm nothing like my dad, and <laughs> and I, I I'm very inspired by that. I don't oh. feel guilty about it.
1: No, I'm inspired uh, by it too, but I don't yeah. do it. No, I don't. It's not I written do in the either. Bible. You have but to. But I think I think it, it
0: would be it would Praise be impossible God. to have a tight relationship with Jesus and not have a a great commitment to the Word of God. Yes. But I know a lot of people who know the Bible really well. And they don't reflect much of Jesus at all. Mm. They're pretty, they're great Bible students. They don't know Jesus yeah. well. Yeah. And and so the the reason we read the Bible so much we do is supposed to be transforming to us. And I have discovered that um, I, I don't enjoy reading. And I do listen to the Bible a lot. Um, I, I listen to audio books a lot. But I actually do better with a slower pace through the Word of God. And mm. so... Uh, honestly, Mark, uh, next year we're going to read the whole Bible again just as a church. I'm only going to read the whole Bible again because the church is doing it, and I'm going to be faithful to be committed. I, there are books of the Old Testament that I have told people I don't ever want to read again. I read them <laughs> once. I want to say that I've done it. But I
1: do. I, I, I can't. There are sections of Leviticus. Yeah. I feel the same I, way. I, I, like, I can't. I, I honestly,
0: I can't get enough of of, uh the Gospels and the Epistles, yes. the letters, the New Testament. And so, you know, there's not been a year in decades that I've not been through the New Testament. I try to go slowly. I try to journal almost every day. Uh, I try to write new thoughts. I try to share what I'm journaling yeah. with other people. And the slower I go, the better it is for me. And so, you know, I, I, God loved my dad. I'd never want to play Bible trivia with him, but I'm not really interested in the speed in which I walk through the scriptures, as I am in the in in allowing the scriptures to speak to me. And sometimes when I'm checking a box or trying to go at too too hard of a clip, uh, I just don't learn what God wants me to learn. And so. Uh, Obviously, as a preacher teacher, and I'm teaching in several churches now, I get to study plenty. But I think devotion in the Scripture is really important. Hmm. And then sharing what you're learning with others is really important. Uh, So those have been the things. And then I I just would be remiss to say uh, I've always felt guilty about my prayer life. My dad also prays a ton. Uh, And he used to thank me all the time for praying for him. And I used to feel guilty because I wasn't. And so now, uh, with the 10.02, yep. setting your alarm, yeah. that's been transformative for me. I, I, I pray more because of that, because I've been reminded to— I don't just pray at 10.02, but it's, it's, it's reset a habit yeah. in me to pray just more. Even today's reading was Colossians 4, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Paul says in Colossians 4, to devote yourself to prayer. In the context of that, specifically, just today— He was talking about praying for people to be saved. And so many times I think, man, I need to talk to that person so that it can be saved. But only God can save them. Mm -hmm. And the power of praying that God will save people is probably more important, or at least as important, as talking to them about um, being saved. And so, yeah, that's that's (laughs) That's what I do.
1: All right, so last question I have, five questions with Troy. Um, I've heard kind of your God story some of your leadership story and the influences in your life um, some lessons as a father and just as a follower of Christ but I want to ask you as one of the guys who's responsible as an elder here at Cornerstone we look to the future of what do we see God doing in cornerstone church and and I want you to I want I'm going to ask you of this answer in two layers pretty quickly but the first layer is at cornerstone church of ames what are you seeing right now in the church that you're like i'm encouraged for the future because of this but then you're particularly responsible for our outreach out to the next place in the next place the arrow out of here what do you see in that arrow out too so let's start Ames first and then arrow out what are you excited about as you look to the future yeah I, uh
0: mark that's an easy question for me to answer uh because I'm a very goal-oriented guy. I never, ever, when we started Cornerstone Church, envisioned, envisioned it being what it's become. It is extraordinary what God has done here. Uh, it's been His hand of blessing under the plurality of leaders that have been here. And uh, a handful of years ago, uh, I actually I didn't know what I was going to do because I was Cornerstone had outgrown my ability to be a good pastor to her. And the reason is because I, I'm just not a great organizational leader. I love starting things. I love growing things. I love uh, stepping into messes and fixing things. And uh, God had blessed Cornerstone so much. She had grew so much that uh, they're just... I I felt a little displaced. And I also always wanted to see the church continue to grow and didn't want to be too old uh, to lead a next generation church. And I am super excited for the leadership that we have here now. I, I, I like having a boss that's 20 years younger than me. I love it. I love it, Mark, that your vision is uh, inspiring to me, not just for Cornerstone Church, but also uh, for church planting. I love uh, emerging leaders like Solomon Rexius. Uh, He is is one of the godliest young men that I personally know, and just the opportunity to lead with him and to be confident that as a national director of Salt Company, he's Giving leadership to so many young leaders in salt companies across the nation, uh, to to have men like Steve Jones and and guys like Shane Roethesberger and women like Kendra Gustafson and, and Courtney Veer and I could go on. List, yeah. Listening more and more and more and and just the faithfulness of God's people here. It's this an exciting place to be, and I think the future is is strong here. And I do think that we never need to lose the traction that God has given us in mm-hmm. this city
1: absolutely
0: and on this campus because God has given us a vision for more than this city and more than mm-hmm. this campus. I think we always need to be uh, the bellwether. Do you know what the bellwether is? <laughs> I have no weather for bells.
1: I no, it's the <laughs> no clue. It's,
0: it's the it's the you know, it's the lead lamb that you you put the bell on so you know where everybody oh, else is. They, okay, they there go we out go. front. Yeah. And so so I hope that Cornerstone never loses its place in the network as a leading church and a pace-setting church. But honestly, Mark, I, I, I think that what I'm giving myself to, I can, give the, I can give the rest of my life for, and that is planting churches at, at campuses across North America and also seeing what God is doing globally. It's exciting That's to amazing. me. It's unreal. I mean, we have 18 churches now. Uh, 19 and 20 are coming we have church planters that are not only being trained here, but being trained in our other network churches. Uh, we we have uh, things that are emerging in brand new states and brand new communities or brand new campuses. And it's 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 unbelievable to think about what God is doing. And, and I have a passion to see the work of the gospel multiplied in the next generation on college campuses from this place uh, all over the nation to the ends of the earth. And You know, in the past, I thought even talking about Cornerstone being what would be a big dream. But now, I I almost feel like we will have failed Mm. if that doesn't happen. Mm. If not in my lifetime, definitely in yours. Because I feel like that what God has entrusted to us, we have a stewardship to entrust it to the next one and the next one. And God has faithfully, uh, since the coming of Jeff Dodge, you know, he wasn't originally a part of Salt Company and uh, was associate pastor in a church, and God brought him here at a critical time to uh, help shape what he was doing here, And, and Mark Arendt, and Paul Sabino, and Drew Stevenson and Stan Hayek and Cody Klein. Mm-hmm. And I can go on and on and on and on and on. And and now the most the most recent guys that God has sent out from this place to to help us be salt and light in the next place. And and I'm excited for that and look forward to what God's gonna do next, frankly.
1: Well, Troy, thanks for taking some time uh, on the quit podcast today. And um, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Uh Anybody ask me a question ever? Three biggest leadership influences, you're right at the top of that list with my dad. And uh, just as Cornerstone Church, we love you. You've been a, a faithful shepherd here and a guide for this church. And it's just, it's super fun for me leading with you. It's super fun as an elder on the team seeing what God's doing and just walking through that together. And so, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, for walking the six and a half feet from your office to mine <laughs> so we can record this today. And for all you listening, I hope there's something there for each of us as we're trying to faithfully follow Jesus blessings on you guys as you're doing that today and hope to see you back on a future Equip podcast in the days to come.